a railway company wanting to have a little promotion decide to crash two trains into each other with predictable results. And then because I never learned my lesson, we take a look at another cult. This cult focuses not on the mind, but on the body. How far can you push yourself to please your master today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's almost Thanksgiving, and I'm still on my quest for some Thanksgiving-based conspiracies. Found a little bit. Little bit. We'll see. We'll see. Um, it, there, some of them, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give it away. And this time I remember to record the Thanksgiving episode the day before Thanksgiving. So you can listen to it during Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving. And you can tell your friends and family, please tell your friends and family, that you're listening to the podcast Dead Rabbit Radio. And it's full of all this amazing information. And you can regale them with your stories. I will say this next part with the caveat. If you are a hypochondriac, skip ahead five minutes. Because this is insane. I stumbled across this article. This wasn't part of the episode originally. I was just kind of... I'm constantly reading the news. Just the regular news. I'll go to weird news sites when I'm looking for weird news. But you find a lot of bizarre stuff just... You know, I'm on Drudge Report. And I'm like, oh, Trump's doing this. And this is going on in Bolivia. And blah, 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 blah. And then I stumble across these weird articles. So, last Thanksgiving... I guess this is kind of a Thanksgiving-based conspiracy. Last Thanksgiving, this guy, this dad, was helping make the Thanksgiving feast... He had a runny nose, and he actually ruined the feast because his nose, his snot, was dripping into the food. Now, I can understand that happening once. Like, you know, it drips into the mashed potatoes, and everyone's like, oh, gross, dude. You know, you got snot in the mashed potatoes and being like, uh-oh, spaghetti Like, I can get that happening once, but he ruined the whole meal. It's almost like a Fairly Brothers film. Like, he's just moving around from dish to dish, being like, I'll stand over here by the turkey. And they're like, no, Dad, no. And it's like, drip, drip. So, despite it not being a Fairly Brother movie, it was real. And his nose dripped all over the food. And you're thinking, oh, okay. That's gross, Jason. That's not really bizarre. He it, the The nose drip wouldn't go away. He would stick tissue up his nose to kind of block it from dripping out. It was just like this embarrassing thing he was dealing with. He said it was very embarrassing. The doctors couldn't figure it out. He finally went to another doctor, and the doctor's running tests. He goes, that's weird. Shouldn't have lasted this long. Like, people have seasonal allergies, but their nose doesn't drip all the time. Let me run some tests. He tested it. It was brain fluid dripping out of his nose. His nose, basically, they had a leak. So they repaired his brain. They put a little flap. They took a little flap off of him somewhere, a little flap of skin. They went in there and they just covered it up. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. The last sentence of the article says, Dr. Ilorta, Dr. I, oh, sorry, Dr. Iloretta, I think, said to watch out if you have a runny nose on one side of your nostril. If there's a salty taste associated with it and all that comes with an intense headache, it could be more than a runny nose. What? What snot doesn't taste salty? Like, I haven't tasted my own snot. In decades. I can't imagine that. I, I'm trying to remember the last time I actually like got it in my mouth. But if I if someone had to say, hey man, what does boogers taste like? I'd be like, oh, I think they're salty. Memory serves me right from being eight. So they're basically saying if your nose is running and it tastes like salt. And I'm wondering how many hypochondriacs read this article or will listen to this podcast and then immediately start looking, testing their snot every once in a while to make sure it's not brain fluid. Because it, it, it being like salt should just be a given. 
And then, you know, the intense headaches. It was probably the biggest factor to it. But anyway, so yes, if you have a runny nose and it tastes like salt, like all runny noses do, your brain may be leaking. Hopefully, maybe someone's listening to this and they've had a runny nose for years and they're like, oh my God, thank you. That happened to me once. I remember once... I remember once I was talking to someone in the break room at a at a job that I had. I this story super vague, but and they were explaining some sort of problem their husband had medically, and I remember going, "Oh, you know what? Might be this." I read an article on this before. It, it sounds kind of similar, and she's like, "Oh, you know." And I ran into her. She I she caught up to me like maybe two three weeks later, and she's like, "Dude, you you saved my husband's life." Like, he was actually having some really serious problems, and that article you just happened to read in Reader's Digest four years earlier, like, that's exactly what he had. I don't remember what the illness was. Maybe this story's not just for hypochondriacs, maybe someone out there is suffering from brain leakage. Let's go ahead and get started with the first story here. That didn't count. That was just kind of a throwaway story. Not a throwaway story, but that was just kind of a starter story. Now we're going to move on to another starter story. So this one is the story of Crush... Texas. Now, Crush, Texas is a city in Texas called Crush, or it was a city in Texas called Crush. It was a city that only existed for one day. So in 1896, there was a guy named William George Crush, and he worked for the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, and they called it the Katy for short. So the Katy Railroad, and he said, you know what, there's a couple other companies that have done this. Let's do this promotional thing. We're going to take two trains that were, they're not in service anymore. We're going to take two locomotives, and we're going to crash them into each other. They didn't have television back then. So this was a good idea. They're going to crash them into each other, and we'll use it as promotion for our railroad. So what it was, was they said, for anywhere in Texas, it only cost you $2 to take the train to crush. Again, $2 back then was the equivalent to like $20 now, but it was still a good deal. So they were able to show off their railway. It was going to be this big promotional thing. And the Katy Railroad said, that's, that's a great idea. Other people have done it. It's been totally fine. They got the engines. They took six boxcars and put it on each locomotive. They chained them together so the cars wouldn't buckle. Buckle off. Go flying off. And they said, okay, well, you know, we're not using these locomotives anymore. We have these big boilers in them that power the locomotives. Is there any chance these are going to rupture? And they're like, no, 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 no. These are designed to be rupture proof. So I think you know where this story's going. Because William Crush came up with the name, that's why they decided to call the town Crush. It was the town was basically set up where the two trains would collide. And it didn't. Ha- they didn't like build buildings. Like they didn't build like a whorehouse and a saloon and stuff like that. It was just people came out in big tents, and it turned into a huge event. Like you had carnival rides, you had events, which is what I have written down in my notes. So just fill in the blank. What events are going on? There's events, and a bunch of people showed up. And when I say a bunch of people, forty thousand people showed up for this one day. Crush Texas became the second biggest city in Texas. Now, the trains are only going 45 miles an hour. So 40,000 people are there. Of course, there is going to be a journalist there. And they took some notes of what was going on. Two trains. I guess no one was blowing the whistle because no one was on the train. But anyways, the two trains are coming at each other. The 40,000 people are standing around. Little kids holding balloons. People playing events. The two trains collide. And then here we go with, this is a quote from one of the eyewitness accounts, the journalist. A crash, a sound of timbers rent and torn, and then a shower of splinters. So the wood on the train just... But that wasn't all. There was just this, this back to the quote here. There was just a swift instance of silence. 
and then if controlled by a single impulse, both boilers exploded simultaneously and the air was filled with flying missiles of iron and steel, varying in size from a postage stamp to half of a driving wheel. So yeah, the boilers that were built to withstand rupture, both ruptured at the same time. So the two train, and they expected there to be splinters and stuff coming off. They expected there to be some debris. And that was one of the things. The people kept wanting to get closer and closer to the tracks. And they had to have guards there to kind of like push them away. But they didn't, fa- they didn't factor in. They basically built two giant IEDs. And they just, when the boilers exploded at the same time in the two different trains, it, it basically vaporized the trains. Huge chunks of metal, huge chunks of iron shot up into the sky. Hundreds of feet into the sky. And then begin to land. And the crowd panics. Everyone's running. 40,000 people all trying to get as far away from this shower as possible. This is where it gets weird. So all of that stuff you kind of expected to happen. Now we're going into topsy-turvy land. Because this really beat the odds. This is a really bizarre story. So after all of the shrapnel came down. 40,000 people. Three people killed, six people injured, which is amazing, which is an amazing act. That's a miracle that people weren't just impaled. As people are laying there, some are dead, six are wounded. The remaining people there, the remaining 39,993 people, roughly, some go to assist the wounded. Others start picking up pieces of metal and wood as souvenirs. So they just survived this horrible event, and now they're just like, oh, look at half a driving wheel worth of steel. I'm going to take this home. So you had people bleeding out and other people picking up souvenirs. The railway company was like, okay, that was report. It was big news. It's supposed to be this big promotional event. You know, back then, nine people dying was like 10% of the U.S. population. Like, <laughs> There weren't a lot of people back then, so nine people died. They're like, oh my God, flags at half mass. This is terrible. The railroad company, the Katy Railroad Company, fired William Crush. They fired him. They said that was a terrible idea. You got these people killed. We're going to get sued. We're going to lose so much money over this. You're fired. And then when the newspapers started talking about it the next day, they're like, what a horrible accident. Who could have predicted this? And there was no blowback on the Katy Railroad. So they hired William Crush back. And he worked there for another 60 years. It's funny. Nowadays, people get like fired from Chipotle for getting caught on video. Saying, we're not going to serve you guys. And this dude killed three people, wounded six more, destroyed two trains, and then got hired back the next day. And they're like, ah, don't worry. Don't worry about it. We'll pay those people out. Don't worry about it. Katie actually benefited from the publicity. More people knew of that rail line afterwards. So it actually worked out for them. And the weirdest part of this whole story is trains kept doing crashes after this. They're like, ah. I guess people go to NASCAR races and airplane shows and stuff like that and people blow up. But it's just weird that it was just kind of, it was like, it, the world reacted to it as it was like a tragedy. There was a lot of news articles on it, but then they're just like, oh, let's just keep doing it. Super bizarre. I, that obviously, first off, nowadays, they would never do the train train crash without like a hundred safety protocols in place. An environmental protection agency coming out and being like, well, you know, if this train wheel goes off this way, it's going to roll over a frog. You can't do that. And if it if it had these results, then everyone would get sued and everyone would disappear. It's just crazy. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was a weird story. So let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, it doesn't involve brain juice and it doesn't involve train crashes, but it involves something so horrific. Now, podcast listeners, you're going to be spared the photos, but the photos are going to be linked in the show notes. 
so you can go check them out. You're going to have to just go off my description of what these photos are for now. And then if you want to torture yourself later, click the links below. So let's get into it. There's a group of guys in Seattle that are into bodybuilding. Now, when I say bodybuilding, I'm not talking about spending four hours in the gym, you know, trying to achieve the perfection of the human body or trying to beat your strength records or, you know, working out with your buddy and trying to one up each other. These guys are into the morphine of the human form into basically a caricature of what a man should look like. These guys look like cartoon characters. They look like somebody drew them. And I'm not saying there's, I could be like, that guy looks like he was drawn by Todd McFarlane. I mean, like, look at the chiseled chest. Look at those amazing calves. They don't look like that. They look like a doodle. They're just these weird, they look weird. They have thin hips and kind of a thin waist and like a really big cartoony chest and balls the size of a cantaloupe. So you go, okay, well, I know you can lift weights to get like a big chest and you can do leg day and get big legs. What exercises do you do to get balls the size of a cantaloupe? There aren't any. They started off by, they're all allegations, but they started off by injecting themselves with saline into the balls. So it'll like, like swell up. Then eventually the saline, I guess, leaks or <laughs> leaks onto your Thanksgiving dinner. The saline is a temporary solution. So we have this group of guys that are into body modification to look like big, big old cartoon characters. They look like Steven Universe's dad. That's probably the best way I can describe it. If you've ever watched that show, I watched one season because I was with a girl who was into it, but and it was okay. I, you know, it was okay. But they look like Steven Universe's dad. They look like cartoon characters. So what happened was last year, one of these guys says, you know what, the saline's not cutting it for me. My balls, I want them to be huge. Let's let's get some silicone and inject them into my balls. Get big old, big old permanent testicles. And so he ends up going to a black market silicone injector. A young man known as Joe Quater. So Peter Dovac was the bodybuilder guy, part of this group. And Joe Quater was the guy who did the injections. In 2017, Peter Dovac gets his testicles inflated with silicone. So they're the size of a coconut. And some of the silicone gets into his bloodstream, gives him an embolism, dies. The guy who injected it, Joe Quater, he was then going to be charged with manslaughter. So he killed himself. Now, there's probably about like, I think like six or seven guys in this group. So then, now we're in the year... 2018, on October 15th, Tank Haffertpin, Haff, Haffertpin is part of this group, and he goes, you know what, I gotta get them them big testicles. I don't know where he goes. He went to another black market silicone injector, injected with silicone, has an embolism, again, same thing, goes into a coma, dies. And all these guys are younger than me. I think they're in their 20s or their 30s. So this group of bodybuilders and big ball people is led by a guy known as Dylan Haffertepin. Dylan Haffertepin. Or he also goes by the name Noodles and Beef. Noodles and Beef. So it's funny. The story I just told you, I was talking to one of my bosses at work. And I said, did you hear about that cult up in Seattle? You know, the bodybuilders? And she's like, no. And I was like, yeah, they, 
they do steroids apparently or they work out all the time but they're like look like cartoon characters and she's like really i was like yeah and then like they get their balls enlarged with silicone and there are a couple of them had died she's like really and i go yeah and the guy in charge is called noodles and beef and she goes you're making that up like that's the part of the story she had a problem with noodles and beef and to be fair that is the worst nickname you could ever pick that is the most unappetizing you get to pick your own nickname that's the one thing you get to do in life Maybe other people give you a nickname, but generally, I guess you don't get to pick your own nickname, but (laughs) you get to pick your online alias. Let's put it that way. You kind of get to pick your avatar. Noodles and beef is what is in the toilet after you throw up. That is the most unappetizing three words possibly put together, other than brain juice Thanksgiving. Noodles and beef is completely disgusting. But that's the name this guy goes by. He was married to Tank. That's why Tank shared the last name. And he has these this group of guys. Tank was one of them. Peter was one of them. And a couple other ones. They all are just really big guys. And they're his pups. Now, those are all the facts of the story. Now we're going to get into the allegations. Tank's mom lives in Australia. And she got a call saying her son had died. And she was besides herself. She, she couldn't believe... That her son was in a coma that she didn't know. That she's like, I would have flown out there to see him. They did a program in Australia where they profiled the mother. And she's like, look at these pictures of my son growing up. He looks like a normal person. Here are the photos of him after he went to Seattle and was hanging out with Dylan. He looks grotesque. Like, he just looks like this cartoon character. He's super big. What did Dylan do to my son? What what was going on here? She ends up saying, Dylan... Will you please bring me my son's ashes? And Dylan's like, yeah, of course. And she had a news crew hiding in her house, like straight to catch a predator type of stuff. Dylan pulls up with his two business associates. They didn't look like they were his pups. And they walk into the house with the ashes. And the mom sits down. I I can't imagine a mother being brought her son's ashes. I can't imagine. And she had like her mother there and a couple other relatives. But I can't imagine the horror and the sadness that was going through her to have her son. She saw her son and now she's seen a container of him. And Dylan immediately realizes there's cameras around. He's like, what are these? And the woman's like, no, don't pay attention to those. Just sit down. Let's talk. And the mother just rips him for a straight five minutes. What did you do to my son? You know, you could should could could have called me. My son used to look normal. You tortured him mentally. You did all this horrible stuff. And before Tank died, Tank had a two hundred thousand dollar inheritance. Tank's brother is autistic, and when the father died, he split the inheritance in half. So two hundred thousand to Tank, two hundred thousand to the autistic brother. And the, the, the idea was, kind of what the deal was, was that if one of them passed away, the $200,000 would go to the other one. That, and that seemed to be the deal. But before he died, Tank changed his will, so Dylan got the $200,000. Now, to be fair, I think Dylan did not know about that. I think he knew that Tank had changed the will, but they were married. But I don't necessarily think Dylan had him murdered or did anything like that for the $200,000. I don't think that's that's a true part of the story. That I don't think that's a completely I think that's a complete allegation. I don't And even the mother wasn't necessarily saying you had him killed or anything like that. I think that was just a coincidence. It would make sense when you get married to change your will. But anyway, she was like, you tortured my son. You made him feel like he was trash, all this stuff. And eventually Dylan's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out of here. And he left. But when the mother said that Dylan had mentally tortured her son, 
that he had caused him anguish. That's because Tank would post stuff online about how he was tormented by Dylan. And of course, Dylan denies everything. Dylan's like, I never, this is not true. This isn't true. I never said this. This is what Tank is saying happened when he was still alive. So Tank posted this thing called Pup Rules, which was a list of all of the rules that the followers of (laughs) Noodles and Beef must do. You want to talk about a cult. If these allegations are true, this is what you would see in some sort of cult document. Now, again, Tank posted this, and we don't know. We can't talk to him, and Dylan denies it, but Tank did post this stuff. So we just have to say that, you know, this is what Tank posted. Here's some of the rules. This this one's about the mind. A pup will profess his love, his loyalty, and his devotion to his master at all opportunities he can. As a pup progresses deeper into his subspace, a pup may find his ability to create words and coherent sentences is diminished. Whimpering and... I should say now all these dudes are gay. I don't know if that was implied, but this is... They're all... the Dylan was banging these dudes. And maybe they were banging each other, but this is a total fetish thing. Okay. I just figured that. I was like, man, I didn't address that. Okay, so back to this. The ability to create words and coherent sentences is diminished. Uh, whimpering and grunting are usually considered adequate substitution. But again, Dylan's like, no, I never, never, never wrote that. This is all, I have nothing to do with that. I just am banging these dudes and I'm in love with these guys and it sucks that they died. Back to this pup rules. While a master has some responsibility in guiding his pup into his subspace, it is the primary responsibility of the pup to guide himself forever deeper into his subspace. The slave will strive diligently to remold the slave's body, activities, habits, actions, and attitudes in accordance to his master's desires. A pup has no sense of value or identity outside of that which is given to him by his master. When a pup does wrong or finds fault in himself, he is to internalize his flaws, dwell upon them, and then take all corrective actions he can to improve himself for his master. How many cults have we covered on this show? We we had the cult at in Brazil, the colonial Dignidad. We had the restoration for the, the Ten Commandments in Africa. We've done a few. And this is this type of stuff, this self-flagellation is very, very common in these groups. Colonial Dignidad was the German cult that was all about, you know, order. And that guy was a child molester. He was totally nuts. But it was all about, like, order and creating order in this paradise and things like that. And then you have groups that are about bringing about the will of God. We have groups that are about... And I'm talking about what what they say they're about, not what they're actually about. It's all about power and money. But you have these cults that some are about bringing the Lord's work into the world. Some of them are about taking on the non-believers. Some of them are about preparing for the apocalypse. This one is sex-based. This is 100% sex-based cult. They didn't have any plans of enlightenment or religious freedom or it's us against them. This is, they're all just banging each other. It can, cults can really happen anywhere. Now, this is where it got, so Tank wrote this or posted this and he, you know, he was saying that this is what Dylan wrote. Dylan denies it. But this is the type of stuff the mother saw and was like, my son's being tormented. And this is the part that is where it gets iffy with the silicone. Dylan saying they did it on their own, and the allegations are that he asked them or told them to go do it. And that will be decided in a court of law. And Because I don't know, honestly. He could just be talking about it so much, and they go, you know what, I really love my master, I'm going to go get this done. Because they have tattoos that say property of uh, Dylan, 
or property of uh, noodles and beef, one of the two. And he goes, I never asked them to get that. They got that on their own. But this is where we get into the body part. Master has explicit body goals for his pup regarding their weight, their muscle mass, their measurements, and their proportions. The pup will make all efforts possible to ensure these goals are realized and should never feel satisfied until his master is satisfied. There is always additional room for a pup to push their physical limits. Additionally, a pup will submit to all orders for body modifications, including piercings, tattoos, scrotal saline inflation, as well as body growth supplements, including steroids and HGH, in accordance to the wishes of the master. So, according to this, it specifically says the saline, the temporary stuff. So, that will protect Dylan to a point. He goes, hey man, I just told him to get saline injected into their balls instead of silicone. I think when you turn people into fetishes, when you turn people into sex objects. Now, people go, oh, Jason, you objectified that woman because you said, man, damn, look at, dude, she's hot. Fine, whatever, I objectified her. But this... I don't go and then ask her, hey, baby, become a bridesmaid and put on 40 pounds. Like, that's not... There's objectification, and then there's turning people into a literal fetish doll, into a object just for your sexual pleasure. Now, it is interesting, as I was reading into this, they said, the thing with the silicone is that it looks completely disgusting. And you're like, well, of course, Jason, their balls are the size of a newborn baby. It is going to look disgusting, but it goes farther than that. There was an expert, I was reading an article, and they said, you notice when these people get these silicone injections, they're always wearing clothes over their balls. Because this isn't, these aren't the first two people in the world who have had this done. The one guy made a living doing black market silicone injections. This stuff happens. People get it into their butt and they die. People get it into their scrotum. Sometimes you live, sometimes you die. But this expert was saying they look absolutely disgusting. They look distended and veiny and all sorts of gross stuff. So when you put clothes on, if you're into this gigantic proportion body, you can put a, a clothes on it, wear like a tight bikini bottom, and you're like, whoa, look at that giant nutsack. That's awesome. That's I'm not saying that. That's... The voice of somebody who's saying that, but when you take the clothes off, they it looks gross. Looks grosser than you would imagine cantaloupe-sized testicles to look. Because it's just distended and lumpy. It's just not supposed to be down there. Silicone does tend to lump up. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. There's other resources out there where Tank told these stories about him being talked down to by Dylan. But again, it's hard to tell. You know, Dylan's denying all of it. And Tank is dead. He can't answer to any of it. We just can kind of go through posts and texts he sent to people here and there. People have kind of pieced it together. I don't think Dylan is liable for any criminal acts. I think he is totally protected to say, I I never told them to get this stuff done. It will be interesting to see if he's open to civil action. Because you that takes a lower threshold of evidence. And the mom may end up suing him and saying, I have this digital footprint of these things and I'm holding you responsible. That may happen. But when you, there's just that power dynamic. You have a very dynamic leader and then you have these men doing anything to please their leader. And then that's fairly common in cults and groups like that. But it'll be interesting to see if anything changes from this. If Noodles and Beef says, you know what, everyone get big, but don't do the don't do the ball stuff. 
I always think it's weird when people focus on sex first and their life just begins to revolve around that. Like it's fun and all, but when it become when you're basically like breaking yourself down and going into the subspace of a pup where it's okay to just whine and gurgle noises and inflate your body and get giant testicles and break down your mental and physical body to please someone else. When that's all you are, when all you are is the fetish, that's when it's really easy to get sucked up into this stuff. And from all appearances, I forgot what Tank's real name was, honestly, but from all appearances, that was Tank's not his real name. From all appearances, Tank was just like a normal kid growing up in Australia who met Noodles and Beef online and then came out here and just fell in love, fell in love with Noodles and Beef, fell in love with the transformation and fell in love with pushing his body so hard to please his master that it ended up killing him. That's an easy trap to fall into. And I know the question you guys are all wondering. Jason. Okay, a bunch of guys got their balls inflated with silicone. Really, what's the difference between a guy doing that, a gay guy doing, or a straight guy, doesn't matter. What's the difference between a guy doing that and a girl getting a boob job? And I have the perfect answer for you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.